0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey everyone, Carm Capriato. Welcome Town Hall Academy. We're doing multiple labor rates here on the show. Got a great panel with me. Let me introduce them to you. Matt Lockowitzer from Matt's Automotive Service Center, Fargo, Moorhead, North Dakota, Minnesota. How many stores? 10 now, Matt? 10, yep. And a few more coming on, I think, right? Yep. Successful shop. Matt's been on the show a lot. Thanks for your contributions. Tom Shears with us from Shears Sales and Service Allentown, PA. Hey, Tom. Uh, Hi there. Thanks for having me. Uh, glad to have you here and uh, Brent Fleshman from Yokom Automotive Republic in Republic, Missouri. Correct. Good to have you here, my friend.
1: Nice to have you. Thanks for
0: having me again. Good to have you, man. And you see Coach Brent up there because he coaches with uh, Chris Cotton and Tom, you coach with? Uh, 180 Biz. And Matt's a coach too. So it's interesting that we have shop owners on that are all coaches. So we're going to have great wisdom from these guys. I mean, no <laughs> doubt. Hey, look, before we go any further, thank you so much to our great sponsor, Napatrax. Did you know that napa tracks has on-site training plus six days a week support that's huge it all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you run it after all it's your shop so it's your choice let us prove to you that tracks is the single best shop management system in the business find napa tracks on the web at dot okay here's why you're here look guys situational labor rates Intensive labor rates, severe vehicle, older, rusted labor rates, which I just mentioned, basically classic cars and the Europeans and the Asians. And knowing your effective labor rate is going to help you in so many ways, which is we may not talk about effective labor, but maybe maybe the coaches here will but the issue is is that if you don't know that you're all you know you're treading water so that's important. We've got a ton of episodes on the website Just go to my website remarkable go to the classroom page and there are some classic labor rate lessons there but most importantly, an episode tunnel academy 276. It was ground up. We actually went through the math and helped build your labor rate from the ground up. It's a great, great episode. It's in the classroom page. One of those modules there. Tunnel Academy 187. Function of the business, not the marketplace. When you set a labor rate, it's it's a function of the business, which goes back to doing the math on setting it from the ground up. And episode uh, Tunnel Academy 212. Charging what we are worth. (laughs) And I have an interesting quote from one of our coaches who's been on the show from Cecil Bullard. Cecil said, never seen a shop go out of business if his labor price was too high. Let's just let that sink in a moment, right? (laughs) I went out of business because I was charging too much. Hey guys, well, welcome here. Thank you so much. Let's start with you, Tom. You've got higher labor rates for those foreign cars you work on.
2: So, I mean, we focus mainly on all European. We do have some uh, domestic and Asian that come in through the door. We have our standard labor rate that goes across the board for most, uh, but we do have an elevated rate for a few of the makes and models, which require more in the back end. There's a lot more for tooling up to diagnose those vehicles. There's a lot more for getting support and all the information that's needed to do this. So in my opinion, our higher investment commands a higher labor rate for that.
0: Do you charge more for Porsche?
2: We do, yes. Yeah, Porsche... Jaguar, Land Rover.
0: And so you're not afraid. And, and do the customers expect that? Uh, not expect it, but accept it.
2: Well, yeah, they accept it. We are a company that we don't believe in sitting there basically causing extra issues for us by saying, hey, just so you know, you're bringing your portion here. We're going to be charging you more to do that. That's not a conversation that we have. It's just, you know, uh, we're doing the oil service today, and this is a price that we're looking at for that oil service.
0: Listen, we're not asking basic questions because we don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about these basic items to motivate some people that just don't understand how important it is to have an intelligent labor rate that allows you to make money. So you say, well, I've heard that before. No, you're hearing it again. It's so much of why we we recycle these topics is to keep the pressure on the industry. People discover Remarkable Results Radio all the time. And if they could discover us in a moment where we're talking about some really key critical things, it puts them in the current moment in the current time, but it doesn't, you know, they don't have to go backwards to listen to some of the episodes, even though there's some classics out there. So you may be listening to this and saying, I know that, guess what? If you listen to Learn Just One, One more thing, one new thing, it may motivate you to stack on some strategies on becoming more profitable. Brett, your look here on uh, multiple labor rates for different kinds of customers.
1: Yeah. And the reason why I thought of that, Carmen, is because I do have several different kinds of customers that I have different labor rates for. You know, we have our retail side, we have a wholesale side. And then, you know, when you get into like, if any of you shops out there deal with aftermarket warranty companies, I have a different labor rate for those. Anything that is more, takes us longer to do is, has to elevate the administrative side of repairing a vehicle. We charge a different labor rate for.
0: And all of these are factors above your door rate. Correct. When you set your door rate, I means is it all about math?
1: Yes. It's very strategic. We go through it once every six months, see where we're at. It has nothing to do with where everybody else is in my market. It has to do with where my shop
0: is. Well, there's the big takeaway right there, and I think all the successful top-tier service professionals know that. Matt, 10 stores, different parts of the, you know, a couple of different states, do you have different labor rates depending on the profit of the store or the market? Yeah, we have some
3: subtle changes in that, but most of our stores are similar rates. We have, I think we have 50-something labor, different labor rates, so throughout our matrix so we have different for diesel for euro for older vehicles i mean there's some of us by skill set or the type of job it is you have your quick services different things like that
0: so there's a multitude of different rates that go into that. Are those labor rates a lot to do with menu pricing stuff too?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously a lot of your menu pricing stuff is a, like, I look at that like skill-based too. So what a GS or a C-Tech can do compared to what an A-level tech would have to do with things like that. Obviously like electrical, I think that that's very highly skilled things. So we charge more for electrical. And then, like I said, Tom's point about like Euro, I mean, my Mercedes scan tool is not cheap to operate. So obviously making sure that we're uh, compensated for the training, extra training these guys have to do, the skill sets they have. These are not easy cars to work on. And I mean, they want to come to a specialist that knows what they're doing. And we have to have the tools and equipment and training to do that. And that justifies the rate that we charge.
0: Well, Matt's just kind of laid up a great discussion point about uh, my friend Vinnie Waterhouse calls uh, diagnostic rates intensive labor rates. And because it's, <laughs> it can be very intense part of the, the working do on a vehicle because you're scratching your head, you're hooked up, you're into subscriptions, you're into all kinds of different tooling. Let's talk about these multiple labor rates when it comes to diagnostics, guys. Just let's have an open on this. Do you have a, hey, we're going to charge a two-hour base rate to dive into the issue? Let's talk about and help the industry understand your philosophies on diagnostics, if you will, labor rate.
3: So I guess on our side, we call it a complimentary initial analysis where we give an honest 10 minutes on the vehicle. Our technicians determine what level of testing they want and the severity of what's going on. And Then from there, that's what's sold to the customer, whether it's an hour, three hours, five hours, whatever is needed for they feel is accurate to do the testing involved to get to the issue of that vehicle. We found that that's a more accurate way. The people at the counter aren't the experts to know what's going on with the car. So, guessing at the counter, uh, we're going to do two hours up front, whatever it is, it's not really an accurate way to do that. So we allow our technicians to make the decision on what they feel is needed to
0: properly test that vehicle. I have to tell you guys, I think that's worthy of a continued discussion. Okay, let's take a sidestep here. The technician takes the 10-minute complimentary mat, goes back to the service advisor and says, we're going to need two and a half hours. Can they sell it?
3: Absolutely. We call them levels of testing. So we've got, I think it's 16 different levels of testing that we offer. And the, every technician has a chart and it kind of has some of the things that might fall into that category of level. And then they kind of say, okay, this. I feel like this is where I need to be. They recommend that based on what they found in that 10 minutes. And then that's presented to the customer. And the technicians are the expert. When when the technician recommends it, it's a lot easier for the customer to understand that. You know, we're like, oh, I think it's do this or whatever at the counter so much more effective and the customers buy into it more because it's not somebody else you know at the counter's recommendation
0: okay so the technicians got this check sheet and they're using it to determine the number of hours you want to charge to, to jump in the diagnostics and when that goes up to the service advisor and they came up with the the bill number that we're going to need just to jump in this thing my point was The S, the service advisor, the client advocate can use that as their sell points.
3: Absolutely, because I mean, it's, it's it's we're selling a series of tests. You know, every one of these levels is a different series of tests. And obviously, the more we charge, the more in depth they are. And we have a, a whole bunch of explanations of some of the tests they may do in each one of these levels. And that kind of gives the customer idea of how in depth this might be. That's been very very effective for us. We've been doing it for around four years now, probably.
0: I love it, and especially when you call that individual who's working on that vehicle in that if you will, diagnostic mode, a technology specialist. It almost uh, elevates that up a little bit more. Brent, how about you? Uh, how are you doing that? Uh, how are you getting determining the number that we're going to charge to look at the vehicle?
1: So right now it's getting, at my shop it's getting determined at the front counter but after listening to Matt I might change what I'm doing because that sounds like a really good plan that he has going on but right now it's getting determined at the front counter by, I have some service advisors with 15 16 years of experience so they are, they're they're well versed and uh, they just ask a ton of questions and we try to decipher as much at the counter as we can to give them a rough idea between an hour, two hours, three hours of diagnostic where we're going to land with this. And because we always try to get some kind of an authorization while the customer's at the counter. So that's how we approach it now. But I do really like Matt's approach to it. That sounds like a better approach than what I'm doing at this point in time.
0: Yeah, it's a huge idea, Matt. It's it's just, it's big. Wow. Tom, how about you?
2: I agree with uh, Coach Brent there you know, I like what you said, Matt, and I'm taking notes along the way. So uh, this will be something that we go back and review ourselves. We do something a little bit different yet again from Matt and Brent. So my thing, when it comes down to diagnosing, we're not selling parts with that. So we need to be profitable along the way. So we use what Rick calls uh, with, within the my coaching group, a two-for-one diagnostic process. So we are determining the level of diagnosing upfront with our advisor when I do the customer interview as far as when it comes in. Intermittent uh, something, been at other shops that they can't fix, we're going right past level one diagnosing, going into level two, level three to sell that up front to get our technician as much time as possible or, or the time that we think we need for them so that they can work on it and not have to be stopping, getting interrupted, going back and you know, wasting that that time going back and forth. We do start off with a, a level one initially if it's a, you know something basic. And what that insi- consists of is, for us, our level one is an hour and a half worth of diagnosing that we're charging for.
0: Is it at the door rate or is it at a higher rate?
2: That one there is at the door rate. The way we're doing this, rather than raising up the door rate, we're billing our customer for an hour and a half worth of diagnosing. We're asking our technicians to complete that within 45 minutes. So basically, we all know, you know, generally speaking, the rule of thumb is 50% parts, 50% labor for a repair. We're not making that 50% parts profit, that income on there. So we're supplementing that by how we operate the diagnostic process. Our our technician gets to that 45 minutes and that's the limit for our level one. At that point, we've exhausted our time allowed for that and we go back to the customer for more additional testing if needed. Most of the time we are done within that timeframe and that's why we have it set at that. So at the end of that, it allows a win-win-win situation for everybody. It allows a win for our customer because they get their car diagnosed it allows a win for our technician because he gets uh, you know credit properly and is profitable with his uh, billable hours because we, we're performance-based pay plan. And it also, it's a win for the company because we're profitable.
0: I am confused in one thing. You said level one was uh, one and a half times? No, it was, it was one and a half hours you booked. One and a half hours, yes. If we got it done in 45, are you saying then you're beating the clock?
2: Basically what we're doing is we're setting up our technician for a win to be a f- basically 200% efficient.
0: Okay, you're billing the customer uh, 1.5 of the labor rate and so he's got some wiggle room there is that what you're saying?
2: Yes. Okay.
0: Talk tell me do you have a level 2 and a level 3?
2: We do, yes.
0: Uh, tell me what level 2 is about.
2: So level 2 is going to be if you know if we're finding that we have multiple issues with a vehicle, you know, somebody's coming in, hey, I have a check engine light, finding that, you know, it's starting hard. Also before that, maybe it was, I was having something else weird going on. You know, we have kind of two situations. We're going to move that into a level two and, you know, and then if it's getting into something, Hey, you guys are going to need to be driving this around for a while because it takes me 30 minutes on the highway under this condition and it doesn't happen all the time. You know, we need to be able to duplicate that problem to be able to fix it. So we're going to need to be spending more time on that. So we're going to raise that up, give more company.
0: So your people on the counter, because you've got some veterans, they're going to determine what levels they're going to go out at because of their sheer experience and their knowledge of what happens. Matt, I've got a burning question to ask about your chart. Is the higher your 16 steps, the higher the charge then? Oh, absolutely. But on that chart, as an example, is there the first eight is door rate, the next five is one and a half times. How is that determined by what you will charge based on those 16 steps?
3: So in my opinion, any testing should be an elevated rate over your door rate because it's the most complicated things that we do in the shop is testing. So our basic one starts at above our door rate and it goes up from there. So when you get into the higher levels of testing, I mean, we're... 30% Thirty percent or better over our door rate at that point. And the Tom's point, like we, our model is seventy percent of the build time is where like our stopping point is. We all know that technicians don't always. Stop at 45 minutes or an hour. We all know that they might go for an hour if that's what's billed, and then they spend a half an hour writing a story and everything else and coming up and talking to the advisor. So you have to figure all those things in when you look at these levels, too, is like the inefficiencies that come from (laughs) technicians just naturally doing what they do.
2: And at the end of the day, I think we're all on the same page as far as we deserve to be paid more for that, but this diagnosing side of things. It's just, uh, I think we're all three going of it a little bit different way. But at the end, we're, we're all doing an elevated rate if you look at it.
0: Let's face it, your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. Napatrax was built from the ground up to make your business more profitable and efficient. We provide an extensive set of tools to increase and track profitability in real time. NapaTrax offers the industry's best post-sale support, hands down, and we train your people on-site. Yep, on-site. And we offer remote refresher training 10 times a week, and customer support is open six days a week. Give us a call, visit the website, or join our Facebook community today to learn more. We'll prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Napa Trax is always customized and tailored for you, whether you're a one-man shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at NAPATRACS, that's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. One of the things I love about doing this show is that in this particular case, we have three different strategies on how we manage Diag rates. And they all work for you. And they work successfully because you guys are all very successful. You wouldn't be coaches for coaching companies and have your own coach. You have 10 stores, Matt, if you guys weren't outrageously successful so but to pick up a, a fragment of an idea from somebody and then going back and doing some modifications I have this wild thought who was who it uh, Tom did you say it's a great idea that you got from Matt who was it uh, no it was Brent right yeah if you had that idea would you go back to your team and have a meeting and say I was with Matt got this idea what do you guys think of it or would you just implement it without telling anyone
1: Oh no, I would absolutely have a meeting. Yeah. My service advisors, I I take their advice very heavily and we have discussions. We meet once a week anyway, and I would definitely speak to them, you know, Matt's idea and let's see how we can implement it. And actually they would probably help me come up with different levels and implement it with some, actually we'd probably strategize with the technicians at the same time. And Come up with different levels like Matt has and and go from there and, and see how it works. We're always willing to try something that's going to possibly make our shop more efficient.
0: Boy, guys, that's an incredible idea. Sit down with the, the service advisor team and the technicians and take that sticky notes and stick everything up on the whiteboard. Crazy idea. And then, Matt, is that how you guys maybe formulated that? We
3: built this as a team. So it was my managers, my advisors, all my shop foremen, and we built this together. We asked the technician, what do you feel falls in this category? And we started moving things around until
0: we had it dialed in the way we wanted it. Is it paper or is is electronic?
3: We have it electronically. Every technician has it electronically, but we also have, they have laminated two-sided sheets. Every technician has those and they have them right at their toolboxes. So that's been the, I'd say they use that more than the electronic version, even though that's what we try to push them because it's intranial. It's in all of our online portals that they have access to, but I still see them using the charts more than anything. So, but they're laminated. We haven't, we don't replace them hardly ever. So, I mean, they take care of them.
0: When you say they're laminated, is it check boxes? And then they do they take a pen or a grease pen or a marker and then they send it up?
3: It's all typed in TechMetric. They type in what level of testing they need. They write a, you know, a quick story about what they found. You know, if they pull a car with the check engine light and it's got codes in there, they're probably going to recommend a level 12 that's, you know, two and a half hours. And then they're going to say, based on what's going on, this is what I recommend. And when the, when the customer sees, like, this is what the tech's recommending and this is kind of the quick scan of the vehicle, they're like, okay, this makes sense why you have to do this much.
0: I think he broke the code. It's not like he sends that piece of paper up front to the counter and they look at it, he writes the story about his discovery. Yep. Got it. But he uses those 16 pointers as his guide. Yeah, it's just a guide. And the labor rates based on those 16, how many levels are there?
3: Well, there's 16 different rates based on each one.
0: Oh, there's 16 different rates based on that. And what do they go incrementally up? 25, 30 bucks?
3: Based on time. So we percentage increases is what we did. So it starts, I think the first one's like 5% over our rate and then it goes all the way up to 30% over our door rate.
0: Brilliant stuff. We took a deep dive in that, Matt, because I, I think we all learned something as to how your strategy works on that.
2: You know, just going back a little bit, you guys talked about working with your team to develop these strategies and everything. And for many years, doing this a long time, a lot of the planning and everything went on for me in the background. And I just basically figured out what I was going to do, work with my coach and, and everything else. And I basically presented it to my team. And it was a lot tougher to get everybody's buy-in and, and everything else. And uh, over you know, the last two years or so, we've really gotten the team involved with the planning process. And now it's everybody all working together, forging forward a man. It makes it so much easier.
0: What's the gap in the buy-in?
2: As Well, I'm basically bringing, if I'm not getting them... Involved in that process. I'm trying to get them to change what they're used to doing to something that they've had no involvement in.
0: You're trying to put ownership down on them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Pass that along. And it's a team process, and they should absolutely be involved in everything we do. So.
0: Man, Brad, when you own something, I mean you're all in, right?
2: You're all in and 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 you want your team to be
1: all in too, just like Tom and Matt have said that building the team is is probably the hardest thing to do in this business. To keep them involved, like next week at my shop, we have a goals meeting that everybody's involved in, all the technicians, the service advisors, and the technicians have been asking about it this week. They're like, "Hey, when are we going to set the goals? When are we going to set the goals?" You because know, they're getting excited about it. So once we get that buy-in from our team, not only do they help you obtain what you want to do in the future, but then they help you implement it.
0: Guys, let's go into canned jobs and sometimes why do we have lower labor rates? Let's start with you, Brent.
1: We have these Things in our industry, batteries and tires and stuff that are kind of like commodity items that if we want to sell them, you don't have to be the lowest priced guy in town to sell them, but we got to at least be competitive. So I think that's where the lower labor rates come in just to be competitive on those certain items. I don't like it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but also if we used our regular labor rate, my $60 oil change on a domestic vehicle is going up to 90 bucks. And I may get that customer in once for an oil change, but I may not get him back again if, if he can go down the road and get it for 50 or $60.
0: Hmm. That's what I pay for a synthetic change.
1: Uh, Same with stuff like tire rotations and smaller items like that. I also find it, too, sometimes on some of your if you're doing uh, BG services and stuff to be competitive on where everybody else is on transmission flushes and stuff. It's uh, sometimes that that labor rate needs to be adjusted a little bit.
0: Matt, Tom, your thoughts?
3: So I guess a couple things. These are items that the easiest for customers to shop. They, it's easy to call and say, how much is a transmission flush? How much is a tire rotation? How much is an oil change? doesn't mean they can't be elevated in price. I, mean, I think oil changes be at least $80, $90 regardless. But at the end of the day, like we have to be what the market will bear in some capacity on these two. You know, like transmission flushes, though, you can have six, $7,000 transmission machine. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. We have a lot of equipment on that side too, but typically you can have a lower cost technician do these kind of jobs. So it does create a little bit of GP there too. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of it's, these are the easiest things for people to shop. And I think that's where a lot of this comes from. They're lost leaders in a lot of shops too. I mean, you look at a lot of the chains. I mean, these are things buy three, get one free and this, that, and the other thing. I mean, we're competing in some capacity in that arena too. Costco's and Sam's Clubs and for tires. I mean, the big tire chains. I mean, yeah, these are all things we have to try to compete with on that side to keep our customer. And then the other part of it is like I look at like light bulbs and cabin filters. Do I want to price myself out of that or would I rather be at a price? They don't want to do it themselves and they'll pay us still. So, you know, because a lot of people are like, oh, it's $200 put a light bulb in. I'll just do it myself. But if it's $89, maybe they'll do it. You know, not all of them do, but like, that's kind of my thought process, I guess, on that, you know.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's about, I mean, at the end of the day, we're we're in business to make a profit. So it's, you know, that sales per hour, gross profit per hour, however you track that stuff. But yeah, I mean, nobody's a fan of this lower rate for fixed price services, but it's, an, it's a necessity. One that we do, we have a fixed price for our oil change and sorry, my oil service. I don't remember what it is to be honest, because it's in the computer. But my point is, even with that fixed price, our oil services are still $100 and more. You know, We're using a BG additive and everything else. Yeah. I mean, if you put that at your regular door rate, now you're going to be you know, 150, 180 you may chase people away. So we are getting away from the lower rates for our alignments, as well as our tire mounting and balancing. We've, we've gotten away from that and gone back to our regular door rate for that stuff.
3: So alignment is actually a good one, too. So we have a two different rates for alignments. We offer a lifetime and a standard alignment. And we actually use the book time instead of a menu price for that. Yeah. And our alignments are are much higher than everybody in town, but we still sell a ton of them. So we found that that's been more effective and more true and fair to the technicians because it's not menu price. So many places do alignments menu price. You get an hour to alignment. Well, I would say eight or nine out of ten cars you can't align properly at an hour. Yeah, for sure. Especially and with steering angle sensors, and if they have ADOS, I and mean, there's a multitude of things that go into that. So mm-hmm.
2: yeah, and I mean if you're competing against the Mavis or the the chains and everything, I don't want to talk down to them because you know we all have our place. But uh, if you're competing against that, that's where your fixed price, your uh, canned labor's alignment is going to come from. If you're looking at competing against a dealership, they're going to come back with a five $600 alignment. And even at your door rate and the book time, you're going to come in better than them and still be able to make money for your team and, and everybody.
0: Are these prices for maintenance type items, the competitive arena, is it set by the marketplace or is it set by what the customers are telling you, which is really the marketplace? Uh, Help me understand how you come up with that number. Guy down the road's charging this, we better charge that.
1: I started working those prices out, you know, 20 years ago when I started the shop and just been gauging off of that each year. Do I need to raise them? Do I need to do this with them? I don't know where it really started for me.
0: Can you imagine you've got this $89 oil service program and it's been there for three years. Labor rates are going, uh, costs, everything's going crazy. And you're sitting there going, oh, I didn't want to... I want to raise that to 109 or something like that because the image of being over $100 is something you don't believe the customer is going to uh, like.
1: Right. And I think a lot of shops struggle with that. Everybody has their, every owner, every manager has their sticking point on prices where they think that the customer is going to walk away. Most of the time that's just simply not true. With good information to the customer, now the people that are price shopping on the phone, yeah, possibly. Those may or may not be the customers we want to have in the shop anyway.
0: Which prompts me to ask this really neat, good question. The loyal customers that come in, they would pay the $109.99. They would pay whatever you're going to charge because they trust you. They're loaded and loyal, okay? But you're always looking for new clients. You're marketing yourself. People are coming in. They're calling you, auto repair near me. How much is A? What's the percentage, gentlemen, of The loaded and loyal that you're, it really wouldn't matter to them if you went up $10 on a a maintenance item compared to the percentage of people that come in and you're constantly seeding and feeding uh, your client base. I'd say
3: it's always kind of the rule of the bottom 20% that we spend 80% of our energy on. And for what it's worth, one of my favorite quotes is I'd rather experience, I would rather compete in experience wars than price wars. So like everything that we do is around the experience. If you do a good job of the experience, the price becomes irrelevant in some capacity and we're not competing
0: on price. Okay. It's the year of the dragon, I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I say that for one particular reason. And I'm going to repeat this. So many people, all carbs going off on his tangent again with about the CXO, the new position in the company, right? The client experience officer. Well, my company's not big enough to have a CXO, so we all have to be it. And to your point, Matt, we all have to jump in, give the customer this greatest experience ever. And part of it is the communications piece that we work with them, talk to them, call them back, follow through. That shows them how much we do care about their vehicle, even though there may be 10 in the in the shop today to fix. So you're so right on. Brett, Tom, your feelings on this experience, because I believe that one of the differentiators as we move forward into 2024 is going to be that experience.
1: I believe so too, Karm. In my area, I am the same price as the dealers, if not above the dealers. But I bring an experience to our shop. We provide loaner cars. We provide shuttle services. We provide lots of different things, digital inspections and everything to our customers. So once they get used to that experience, they'll pay more to have their vehicle at our shop than they will at other shops that they have to find rides to and all that kind of stuff. It's definitely an experience when we give each customer as they walk out the door a snack to take with them on their way home. Things like that, that, you know, just really the customer is like, wow, you guys really go above and beyond. Plus you fixed my car.
0: Way back when I met Matt in the early days and uh, I saw all the, incredible stuff that he does for his customer. Are you still handing out the Matt Bear? I think it's uh, the bear.
3: Yeah, we went through uh, 28,000 of them last year.
0: <laughs> it's been a while since we talked about it. Give us an update. T- tell everyone what you do.
3: Any vehicle that comes in with a car seat in the back, uh, we have custom teddy bears with a shirt on that has our logo on it. We buckle a teddy bear in each car seat in the car. It's absolutely incredible the responses we get from that. And we have customers that will come in with their kids, when's the next teddy bear? We're on our sixth version of our teddy bear now. We have people put it on face with all the different bears they have and with their kids. And it's really special. We're building our next generation of clients too. Wow, are you ever.
0: And so think about it. He said something very magical there. He said, we buckle it in, there's two bears. You cannot just say, well, we'll just do one bear, put it in the middle of the two seats. You gotta do it all. You gotta do it all. So again, I know we kind of went off on this the client experience thing. But you can't charge This is an episode on labor rates, but you can't get the labor rates where you needed to be to be a successful and profitable place. If you don't have that flow of customers coming in, that will pay not only for your incredible, great work, fixed car right the first time, but the experience.
2: And that's where it's important to front with your customers when they're calling in, especially you know the new customers with what are you doing as far as you, it's client experience officer, the director of first impressions, CSR, whatever you want to call him, her. It's their job, their responsibility to pretty much educate that customer on what we're going to do, how we're going to do it and why we're going to do it along with the pricing and everything. Because if you're going to have one of those people who does not respect what you're actually doing for the car and they're just looking for the cheapest price, would you rather get that done and over with right away during that first five-minute conversation? Or would you rather let it come in the door, have the advisors fight with it, have the technicians work on their car and fight all the way through that process? You're better off just getting it out of the way right up front. Talk about that. Mm be upfront and help the ones who respect and value what you're giving them.
0: Guys, this was great. Multiple labor rates was our topic. I know we went to some interesting places, but I got to tell you, there's a lot of learning here. I think everybody shared some great ideas. I saw everybody taking some great notes. I actually so love the fact that when we pull these teams together each and every week, these single the topic forums. Everybody walks away saying, wow, I learned something myself. This is great. And I know because you guys learned something from each other that uh, so will the audience. Let's go around the room. Any final things maybe you wanted to cover that we didn't? Any message to the industry? We'll do coach Brent, Tom, and then Matt. Brent?
1: Well, for all you shop owners that are out there, if you know you need to be evaluating your labor rates at least a couple of times a year, use the numbers to build your Labor rate. It has nothing to do with everybody else around you, what their labor rate is. It's what your business needs to succeed.
0: Great advice. Brent Fleshman, Yoakum Automotive Republic, Missouri. Also, he coaches with Chris Cotton. Tom Shear, Shear's Sales and Service, All-Town PA, coaches with Rick White.
2: I'm going to kind of echo what uh, Brent said know your numbers. Look at more than just your door rate, look at your effective labor rate, look at your sales per build hour look at your sales per actual hour if you can. Most systems won't calculate that for you. But dig in and know your numbers so you can actually be profitable and help your company and your team grow.
0: Great advice. Uh, constant advice we always hear on the show. You got to know your numbers. Matt uh, Lockowitz or Matt's Automotive, Fargo, Moorhead, North Dakota, Minnesota, 10-store chain. Matt?
3: I think the biggest thing is you got to be proud of what you're charging. Don't Try to like feel bad that you're charging a premium for what you do. You have talented people, you have, you know, investment in tools and facilities. You gotta be proud of what you're actually charging and and not have to sit there and justify it. You just gotta be proud of it and know it's you're doing the right thing.
0: Thank you, Matt. Uh, video game behind you. Is that at home or is that at the shop?
3: That's at I'm at home. I work from home.
0: Ah, cool. I love it. Is this your stress buster?
3: Yeah, it's a big buck, Connor. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. I love it. So so cool. Thank you, guys. This was great. I appreciate you coming on to our Town Hall Academy today, and appreciate all your great input.
2: Thank you, Carm. Thanks for having us, Carm. Thank you.
0: Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.